This is episode number 20 of the Bearded Marketers podcast, the only internet marketing podcast that matters. I'm Rob. And I'm Corey. This is an internet marketing podcast that talks about all the issues, the trends, the latest news in internet marketing. We drop new episodes every Monday. You can find it on thebeardedmarketers.com, iTunes, or Stitcher Radio. Also, when you get a chance, please take the time to creep on us on Twitter, Facebook, Google+, Plus, LinkedIn. I don't know. There's something else out there, I'm While sure. While you're creeping on all our good content, feel free to leave a review. If, we, if you find what we do valuable, you found some good tidbits, leave us a review. Leave us some feedback. We'd love to hear uh, from all of our listeners. Also, you can give us a call. Yes, we do still have phones. You can call us at 904-270-9603. Leave us a voicemail on what you would like us to cover in the show. What are you pulling your hair out? Because between Rob and I and our experience in the industry, I'm sure we've probably run across it and Mike can help you out in the situation or reach out to the people that we also know in the industry and, and help you out there as well. Or if you'd just like to leave us a funny Craigslist-ish style story, we appreciate those as well for the laughs. And don't be too concerned. I'm actually not going to answer the phone. I just go straight to voicemail or text it, you know. Uh, so I'm not going to yell at you if you call me at 2 in the morning. Uh, I'm taking it old school tonight. Uh, usually I try to drink something with ginger beer, but I'm going old school like what we used to do when we first started the show. I'm drinking Macallan 12 on the rocks. Mm-hmm. You're not wearing a flannel bathrobe <laughs> while you're drinking it. <laughs> my beard's, you're, almost, you're getting close. My beard's not nearly as long as it used to be either. <laughs> and I am actually drinking a sidecar for tonight. Ratio-wise, one part cognac, half part lemon, and then half part of Contro, actually. It's quite tasty. Very good summer drink. So let's go ahead and get into it. Again, this is episode number 20. Tonight, we're going to be covering a wide range of topics. So I think we got a little something for everybody. So first, Google and mobile traffic and what certain trends and changes might be affecting your analytics. Also, industry and investing in site search, should you? And what what are the case studies around that? We're also going to talk about common customer service complaints, phrases that your customer service reps can use in either emails or phone calls that piss people off when they hear them. We're going to wrap up talking about letting your pages breathe. What does that mean? I don't know. That's, that's our mystery topic for the night. We, we've uh, been we having mystery to close topics. Out with a vague so, one. Yeah. Keep people interested. All right, so let's get it started. We're going to talk about Google mobile traffic. For those of you out there who actually pay attention to the analytics on your websites, I don't know, may not be that many of you actually, judging by a lot of the companies we work with. True, true. Anyone who's been keeping track, though, of the stats for all their mobile users may have been noticing over the past few months, maybe even longer, that Google traffic has been dropping. And I want to assure you that that is not the result of your terrible efforts in SEO. It's actually a result of a change that Google has made that is affecting pretty much all, I think, of the mobile browsers and the um, phones and actual devices that people are using. If they're doing Google searches on these devices and ending up on your website, your Google Analytics or whatever analytics package you're using may not actually be reporting those visitors as having come from Google. And if it is reporting that it has come from Google, it may not be reporting the actual keyword phrase that those people used. So your analytics might be pretty messed up in terms of being able to analyze your SEO efforts and and, uh, just in general how your pages are performing. This is kind of a carryover. The technology region for this is a bit different, but I know that from a organic 
search side of things, this has been going on for a while when Google started introducing HTTPS encryption on their search queries and SEO practitioners around the world started pulling out their hair because, you know, the amount of information that we were given as people that run websites about people coming onto our sites from search engines started diminishing, started to be hidden, you know. So when you looked at your Omnitures or your Google Analytics, you started noticing that keywords coming into your site started being not set or not available more and more and more as Google has rolled this out more globally across their brand as Android has picked up Steam and they're signing people in, other apps, and also Firefox as well is starting to default their own search mechanism to HTTPS. I found that out the other day. Um, But this mobile particular issue I thought you were bringing up was good because it is a tad different, but there is some workarounds um, which we could point out. Yeah, so I'm going to get into maybe a few of the technical details here. So for the technologically, I guess. Should we? Let's let's cover HTTPS really quickly, though, for those that aren't involved. Maybe you can give like a okay. real quick what synopsis is, on that. What is, yeah. Welcome to Rob's Learning Corner. What is HTTPS? I guess maybe the easiest way to describe to people who don't necessarily know what some of the technical details are. If your browser window and the URL bar, if you have HTTPS, you are on a secure connection which basically means that people in between your connection can't sort of spy on your whatever you're doing online. But along with that comes some also technical ways in which how people can be tracked online, especially when Google steps into the picture. They actually proactively remove some of the tracking mechanisms that software programs like Google Analytics rely on to keep Mm -hmm. track of people as they move around the internet. Either encrypting it or just removing it altogether. Exactly. So this actually presents a unique problem to mobile users because the way that Google is Stripping that information is through a redirect, and they've actually decided not to implement the redirect with mobile traffic, which is why this is a unique problem to mobile tracking of users. And it's across, like I said in the beginning, it's across all devices, all browsers. Basically, if someone is searching on Google without actually pulling up HTTP colon slash slash Google.com, they're searching and they find your website through a method other than that, it's not going to work properly. So so someone on their phone goes to Google.com. They don't explicitly tell it just regular HTTP. It right. falls back over to HTTPS without them knowing it. Mm-hmm. They do a search, and then as a business, I know nothing about this visitor. I don't even know that it's from Google. That's exactly how that can work. Depending on the device, you may not even know that it was from Google, or you may know it was from Google, but not the keyword that they used. So your software package, I mean, depending on your analytics, may not really even show a natural search Right, refer on that one. Direct. Right, exactly. Mm-hmm. So have no fear. I have a fix for you, at least temporarily. Shout out to Adobe Marketing Blog. I this podcast was already called. worth it. <laughs> <laughs> They're not a sponsor yet. Right. <laughs> Get in contact. No, we don't have sponsors. But okay, so the fix is, it's actually a pretty simple one for right now. Um, it may be a little difficult to get implemented with your IT team, but if you can have your landing page on an HTTPS secure connection, then all of this should be fixed for now. Right. So Google had, you know, Adobe did some research and Google will pass all the information correctly if it detects that the entry page on your website is HTTPS. You know, from a marketing standpoint, that information is important because we need to know how people are arriving to our site, where they're coming from and what they're interested in. So we know where to spend our budgeting dollars and really our efforts. So If you're seeing that mobile traffic is taking a big dip or looking a bit wonky in your analytics, check and make sure that this issue isn't one that's present 
for you and if this HTTPS site-wide solution might be a good fit for you. So talk through all those solutions. How much value is this? How much traffic do you actually get from Google before you expend this effort? Things of that nature. This can impact a large amount of businesses. I know it impacts a lot of my partners in particular. So keep that in mind. Moving right along, we wanted to talk a little bit about site search tonight. I deal with quite a few companies where, you know, to be honest, site search is kind of the redheaded stepchild of the development team or the site. On average, I see between the different businesses that I work with, it's usually about, you know, 10 to 20 percent of people use search. It depends on what kind of verticals we're talking about. Lead gen typically has different search rates than maybe e-commerce, things like that. But a lot of people use search. And I think that that's only going to keep increasing as that is how we come to navigate the web. I mean, a lot of things start with a search. Think through your last couple of just sessions online. How many searches did you do, whether that was on a search engine or within an application, whether that's Facebook or actually on a website. We're accustomed to searching. We also absorb information just navigating through sites, but search is a big part of our behaviors online. And I'm surprised at how many big companies that we work with still ignore search and think that, well, we serve up search results or we, you know, on average, give a lot of results back to people. So that has to be good. And they just really do not spend the time to invest either with internal resources to build something out that works really well and understanding why people are searching how they interact with search and how we can treat that better, maybe doing usability studies, things like that, or seeking out a vendor. Building out a search engine for a e-commerce site or even to sift through content can be pretty daunting if you're not going to go with a, you know, a plug and play solution. Yeah, you could almost see it as an extension of those companies who sort of say that they have a, a cart process that works, so that should be good enough. Right. I mean, you know, a lot of people are starting to realize that's not the case, uh, but it hasn't really sort of filtered down, I guess, to search for a lot of companies yet. So I wanted to talk about search for a while and really challenge businesses that see search traffic on their sites. Take the time, maybe spend a whole month on just search. Understand why people are using it on your site. What happens when they do searches? What are their behaviors like? I would really strongly recommend that some people maybe interact with a company like usertesting.com or engage with some usability panels to actually watch people use your search tool and interact with it and see you know what your results are doing and when they arrive at them and, and what are the thoughts around that. But more specifically, there was a really good article on internetretailer.com and what really piqued my interest was Walmart released a case study where this summer actually they released a new homegrown in-house developed search engine. They saw conversions on their site that started with a search jumped 20%. That is a large amount of money on a site like walmart.com. Really, for most sites in general, it doesn't take very long for those efforts to be repaid, whether that is in-house development or potentially going with a vendor. Speaking of that, I wanted to walk through some of the stats. A company called Bambi Baby released a case study through their search partner, Celebros, 
who worked with this company that provides baby supplies. And the numbers were quite staggering. You know, among, so keep in mind that this is a segment of their visitors. This isn't site wide, but users that initiate a search on their site is 11 to 15% of people. So it's still a good amount of people to pay attention to. Nothing to just dismiss. So out of those 11 to 15%, they saw revenue boosted by 128%. AOV or average order value was up by 25%. And conversions for people that search, meaning they place an order, was up 65%. And then the number of transactions that resulted in aggregate for visitors, so, you know, the likelihood of people coming back to purchase, things like that, were up 82% over the same three-month period compared to last year, which is important. A lot of people just do a moving average, but your summer performance might be vastly different than spring. So they did the due diligence there to compare it to the same time last year. But those are some staggering numbers to really look at for a while. And what's really worth mentioning is the technology that enables this search on their site costs them $900 a month. That's that's amazing. I mean, the, the massive increase in performance mm-hmm. they experience there. I mean, most companies would dream of having that kind of thing, especially at that kind of price point. But I want to sort of, you know, maybe introduce, uh, you know, maybe just my personal experience in terms of search. You know, I've been around since the internet. You know, you were using Gopher Strings oh, to, to use the internet. <laughs> and I feel like, especially at this point in time with how good Google is with, with search, it sort of burned me uh, mm-hmm. from ever even really attempting to use the search box on most websites. I think the only website where I'll actually use the search box, again, another shout out, Amazon.com. It works. Every other site, though, I will either result resort to using Google to search the site mm-hmm. or I'll use their category structure and sort of go down the tree to find the product I'm looking for because I think so many sites, they just cannot get it right. And I think... You know, I think the numbers you were saying before is anywhere sort of 15 to 20% of people were using search. Mm -hmm. I think that number should be so much higher if people weren't sort of already burned on using search. Right. Yeah, I would would definitely agree. You know, I think that also a lot of people do poor implementations of search from a design standpoint. You know, like I said in the beginning, it's kind of an afterthought. Uh, Oh, yeah, we need to have a search bar because we're supposed to. Um, But they don't really put the the thought into why people search on our sites. The last thing I'm going to talk about in this article with more examples of how you need to think of search is in talking with Celebros more, what makes their search engine a little bit different is understanding the search term itself. So, you know, I work with companies that have their own homegrown search engine. And when someone searches for, let's use an example of a brown baby bed, typically the search engine will look at all those things differently. So they'll get a ton of results. What makes some of these technologies a little bit different is understanding language and looking at the search term and understanding what people are trying to arrive at. So instead of returning everything that contains brown, baby, and bed, you know, which might be a thousand results, instead it understands that you're looking for a baby bed and a brown one. So maybe the results are only 200 or 300 and they're much more relevant to what you're looking at and you don't get frustrated going through the result. Some of these technologies are actually worth spending some time and money on potentially if you don't have the internal resources, whether that's from the development development side of things or from the analysis side of things to understand search go to a vendor and some of them are affordable like $900 that does sound like a lot but for the results that they gained I'm sure that that more than pays for itself as long as your traffic is there so 
Site search, pay attention to that. That's your month's homework assignment. Look at search on your website, understand why people are doing it, and then look at what happens when people search. You know, are they just leaving your site? Are they trying to refine their results? How do they convert versus people that don't search? What can you do to make that better? That's not your month homework assignment. That's this week's homework assignment. Okay. We're going to have another one for you next okay. week. So right. just, you know, just trying to keep people on their toes. The front end of this podcast, I think, was pretty technical, pretty data-heavy. Okay. We're going we're gonna to keep it lighter right now. All so right. direct from the Salesforce.com blog, they did a, a sort of report from a survey conducted by the Customer Care Management and Consulting Company. So this is a nationwide study. They looked to discover things that customer service reps were saying or doing through their mostly phone calls, I think, is the primary source of the study, that were annoying customers and people who were calling in. So they've collected a list of 20 actions that were commonly performed that pissed people off. Okay, so there's two different categories. One is just negative actions. So this is a list of 10 things that people don't like. And the next is very negative action. So things that really piss people off. And there's an, there's people 10 more. Angry. I don't want to run through the entire list. Uh, it's pretty, I, I think most of them are pretty expected. Uh, playing music and well, messages. I don't want to get you too mad either. For right. You know, the classic interest. sort of stuff. Playing a recorded message over and over again. Telling you how important you are. While not important enough to answer the phone. Still repeating that message right. over and over again. After that's 10 a, minutes, I start getting pissed hearing that message. You're important to us. <laughs> We're not going to talk to you right now, that's but a, you're important to that's us. That's a good one to get people's blood boiling. But there were a few that I thought were maybe a little contradic- contradictory or at least something that I wouldn't consider as being negative. Like looping Mambo number five. <laughs> <laughs> number Okay, so number one. Number one action that pissed people off, you're invited to take a satisfaction survey at the end of the call. I, I th- Number one, I think that's pretty common. Number two, I don't understand. It's the end of the call. Deal with it. Just really? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, hang up. I feel like that's what I do. It's not, it's it's just definitely not something that would make me angry. Maybe it's more of a timing issue. You know, if if I've hung on the phone for a while, and you're already talking to me about a satisfaction survey, maybe it's just brings the thought into my mind. I'm not satisfied because I haven't talked to anyone yet, and I'm angry because I need some service. I don't know. Well, it's odd. I, you know, I guess I don't know. I feel like if you got good service. I'm excited to leave a survey. If I got terrible service, again, I'm excited to leave a survey because I <laughs> well, really want to let... nugget. <laughs> exactly. I want to <laughs> let people know about it. So maybe just those neutral people that okay. don't, they get mad about that survey idea. So number two on the list, the agent you talk to uses slang like, yeah, okay, or uh-huh. And again, me personally, I feel like that's a more personalized message. You're not being so formal. You're getting down. You're trying to help me. I think that... It's generational, to be honest. The older demographic that I've interacted with care much more about the vocabulary that you use in conversation. Maybe not necessarily when we're informally talking, but when they are trying to get something or are frustrated, those types of things actually matter to them. So I do think that's a a bit of a generational thing. And I think it also depends on how frustrated you are and where you're at in the uh, process. If someone's using really informal terms and you feel like you're not getting a resolution, maybe some people feel like they're not taking it seriously. But I do think it's more of a a generational gap type of issue but something you need to be cognizant of depending on who you're dealing with i think you're absolutely right i mean obviously on the phone call to me that's fine you wouldn't do that in an email but i think you're right over the phone that's definitely a generational Mm -hmm. uh thing because i speak like that on the phone all the time number three on the list of negative actions that i thought were bs they ask you for personal identifying information before you're able to explain why you're calling ah 
Yes. So I can see why in certain situations, and maybe that's, you know, the point of this survey, maybe this is cover certain situations. But for example, when you're calling in about a credit card, I understand that you need my credit card number ahead of time Mm -hmm. to sort of deal with me. Right. The the one thing, though, that does piss me off, oftentimes when they ask for that stuff, then you get on the phone with someone and they ask for it again. Like, what the hell? (laughs) Not write this down. (laughs) Well, you know, what I think companies can do a better job of is is prompting people you know why they need that information you know because there's an easy way to phrase that you know so we don't give out your personal information to someone that might not be you we're not trying to be impersonal about it but we're doing it for your security i I don't think i've ever heard a company prompt me with we might ask you this and this is why i've heard them say you know get your credit card out but not really phrase it in a way of we do this for your security and and here's a a list why which might kind of mitigate some of the anger around that you know i've definitely heard the sort of to in order to access or verify your account details please enter Mm -hmm. your 25 million digit long account While I'm number, trying to drive whatever it is but you know I, I almost wonder if they had like a full reasoning ahead of time people would just get more mad because I just I just want to enter my account number mm-hmm. I don't care why I almost right. feel like that's a you can't win on that one well I, I think you know as we continue through this why we wanted to bring this up is because as marketers we have to deal with the backlash of this whether that is reviews. And I think that's actually a main harbor that we need to deal with when we have bad customer service is, you know, the lasting impression that that makes on people, the bad reputation that can result that we have to overcome with our marketing, whether that is the bestbuysucks.com type websites or people that go on Trustpilot or Power Reviews or things like that and leave reviews that that we have to work really hard to overcome. And it all stems from we might have a really well-functioned functioning website and an e-commerce path and all that. But if we don't have all our ducks in a row, it does make our job harder as marketers online to potentially overcome these things because now the customer has a, a much stronger voice and it's easier to not only spread information online, but also spread negative information. So as a marketer, you can't really look at customer service as divorced from your efforts. Right. I think a good example is, I think we've mentioned them on the show before, is Zappos and Amazon and how, I think actually Zappos even more so than Amazon and how they try to incorporate core values through everything that they do, customer service, things like that, uh, and how that makes it into their marketing as well and, and how that establishes lifelong customers. So as marketers, we really need to pay attention to that. To those types of things. The final one I want to talk about before we move on to the last topic, uh, and this is in the category of, I don't know, what was it? Very extremely, very angry, very, very angry list. Frowny faces <laughs> with red. One of the ones that I thought was interesting, obviously maybe applies to us internet marketers, recorded message that encourages you, encourages you to visit the company's website. <laughs> I, me personally, I run a few websites, mm-hmm. that businesses, and we do this on our recorded message. I think, though, the problem here, again, maybe lies in the miscommunication that you sort sure. of pointed to earlier. We emphasize why you should use the company website. Like, you know, we are overloaded with customer calls right now. A quicker way to get a response is to submit a support ticket at mm-hmm. whatever it is, dot com slash support or whatever. I think that that's a perfectly reasonable uh, thing to do. But obviously, people don't like that. They want to talk to someone right now. They want to yell. Yeah, I think people have different service expectations. So whereas I might think a service ticket is fine and reasonable, 
other people want stuff done immediately and you know they just have different service level expectations so just keeping that in mind and i think like you said it all matters in your phrasing so keep that in the forefront when you're i would challenge a lot of people to go through all your processes every once in a while put your mind in the shoes of the customer what what are they experiencing what can be their frustration points because that's the competitive difference that's how people become average to great and understanding what are the frustration points what's the difference in them telling their friends about you in a positive or negative light so that should be your homework assignment for this week you got a homework assignment so hope you're writing these down (laughs) lastly i think we're going to dwell on this too long but i i ran into this a couple times this week so i wanted to talk about it a little venting i won't lie but let your pages breathe so what we meant by that in the beginning was i feel like and i combat this a lot when we work with companies is people are so worried about this mythical fold and trying to get in the user's eye path or at the top of the page that they end up creating web pages that are so overwhelming because everything is crammed on the website. You know, they people don't use padding. Trying to get, a lot of times it stems from internal departments. So we got marketing, we got our customer care, we have our PPC team, and all these, all these people are trying to vie for this real estate on the page. And everyone wants it as close to the top as possible because they think they're going to get the most attention. But ends up happening is that there's a point of kind of diminishing returns. But not only that, it starts to negatively impact the page. Just so much going on that I have, I have to kind of sit back, lean back a little bit in my chair and kind of get my bearings on this web page. Like what's going on? We got... 20 different color combos going on because the marketing team wants to make sure that their side rail element is seen over the the new sliver that's on top of the site. And then the search team is trying to overcome that and make sure that their search bar is visible and all these types of things. And I would really challenge people in general that create websites and do this for a living to just go ahead and add some space between elements. There has been numerous studies out there. In certain situations, the fold is not the end-all be-all. I have a lot of test experience to back this up that adding space to pages will not make it perform worse. In fact, there's been numerous tests that I've run where taking the same page and just adding spacing has really helped conversion rates because, again, you're not overwhelming people when they come and visit your website. Don't be scared of white space. Yeah, absolutely. I think that specific example you give of internal departments competing with each other over real estate especially occurs on main pages on websites and home pages especially but you you see it all, all the time too on landing pages and internal pages as well interior pages and i think the reason there is oftentimes and i know we've discussed this at least in partners we work with in the past i don't know if we've talked about it on the podcast certainly is not being able to sort of craft a simple direct marketing message and trying to sort of appeal to so many different angles and so many different potential customers on one page is overwhelming. You end up creating a message that I can't even understand. In a small much space, less, too. much less even visually understand. Mm-hmm. I mean, like intellectually, I can't comprehend what you're trying to tell me. There's too much on the page. You know, this is something I was actually thinking about last night, or not last night, last week. It's talking about copy on web pages, and I think oftentimes there's just too much of it, and that leads to the sort of what we're talking about here: letting your pages breathe. You don't need to write a book on a page, pretty much ever. 
I, I think I think you should be more succinct than that. Your message should be clearer and True. I mean, I think there's certain products that lend themselves to maybe a story, but I don't know if necessarily that's all, that's going to do the heavy lifting of your sales right. process. I think that maybe some people do it for SEO reasons or, you know, just corporate culture. But again, I wanted to get back to it's okay to add some spacing on your website. Try it out. Run a test. You might be surprised that if you remove some things even or just adding some space between your elements will really help it out. Now, when I mean add space, I don't mean make everything smaller and add space because then you're cramming stuff. That's You're trading one problem for another. But analyze some of your web pages and see, am I trying to accomplish too much in a small space? Could I benefit from some padding and margin here from a design standpoint? Don't be so locked into, we got to get everything above the fold. And I know that can be kind of an internal fight that you might have to take on but run a test see what happens but i think you will generally be surprised and i think when you talk to actual customers you might be generally shocked how many of them feel overwhelmed by some of your web pages because there's just simply too much going on i know that we were looking at a an e-commerce page as we are working through some of our video content this week a little shout out of that coming a little uh juicy nugget but <laughs> You know, we we came onto this product page. They do they have a very nicely laid out website. They got some great products, but their product page was just way overcrowded. Like images all over the place, a bunch of bold fonts, rounded, everything's in all caps, buying guides, just so much going on that when I come on here, it's it feels like I'm building some stress. You're trying, claustrophobic. Right. In to your try mind. to I'm understand everything. On your website. So is that you? Self-reflection, real, real talk. Is that you? Take some time, look at your landing pages and your website, see if you can benefit from some space, run some tests, and I think that your visitors are going to appreciate a much more welcoming and easy to understand process. You heard it here first, the TBM podcast. Whitespace is the new end thing. It's 2013. Don't be scared. It's it's the new style of the year. Right. All right. So that's going to wrap it up for episode number 20 of the Beard Marketers. I'm Corey. And this is Rob. Again, been another episode. Give us a call, 904-270-9603. Let us know what you're struggling with. What is just keeping you up at night, having you stressed in the shower, just thinking about it? We'll feature it on an upcoming episode. We'll cover some tactics on how to address it. You also got a new website coming out, which we've been talking about for a long time, but I promise it's coming and it is looking good. So keep your eyes peeled for that. Keep up to date with us on Facebook, Twitter, all the other social networks. We're on all of them. But we will see you next week. This has been the Beard Marketers.